Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW. Happy New Year, everybody. 2022. It is the huddle breakdown. I'm in the call. Jiggle James is on the line with me, and so is Alan Morrison. Happy New Year, guys. How are you getting on? Happy, Happy New, New Year. Year. We're punctual this year. You've set a precedent now, so uh, don't screw it up, Enda. <laughs> yeah, we're only one minute late, which, I mean, that's record time for us. <laughs> Listen, it's been a long time. We haven't had a podcast in a couple of weeks. We haven't had football in a couple of weeks. It's been quite boring, to be honest. It feels like there's a bit of a, a void in my life over the last couple of weeks <laughs> with no, no Celtic to watch and no frustration to take out and, at the weekend. So we're going to do a mid-season review because we didn't really get to do it before Christmas because the matches were just relentless before, uh, before the Christmas break. And it was almost just reviewing the games more than anything else. So we're going to do that now before we get back to football next week against Hibs. There's a lot to get into this season. It's almost hard to remember. We we started the pod extraordinarily early this season. We actually did uh, pre-season reviews of, of some of the games. So it seems like a lifetime ago since since those took place. We're not going to touch on pre-season. We'll, we will potentially touch on... We will potentially touch on the Champions League, the Europa League, and some of the other things that happened this season. So just a sort of a, a broad outlook of where Celtic are at in terms of the season so far. In the league, they're second in the league, six points behind Rangers in the table, won 14 games, drawn three, lost three, scored 42 goals, conceded 12. So that is the league. And if you want to know how that compares to this time last year, they played one extra game. They have two extra points than they did last year. So depending on how that game fell, you know, Neil Lennon's range or Celtic might be on on par with Anne Foster Coglu's Celtic. Uh, one, one more game this season. Uh, the difference is, and the key difference is, that Rangers have failed to win four of the games that they won last year this season. So that's why the gap is much more narrow in terms of the league form. Euro- European football, most important for Celtic, obviously. 
didn't qualify for the Champions League, got knocked out by Michelin at the final hurdle. Europa League group stage finished third behind Real Betis and Bayer Leverkusen ahead of Frank Varos and now playing in the Conference League and are playing after Christmas. That's where we're at so far. Alan, if you could describe the season so far in three sentences, how would you do it? <laughs> One word. Uh, it's been chaotic, really. Uh, the, the, everything is, uh, you know, the a new manager, uh, a huge turnaround in players, uh, a huge number of injuries and disruption to the team. Um, a very... Uh, a very particular way of playing football that is trying to be embedded within the squad. Um, a high pressure uh, season because of the Champions League bounty at the end of it. So it's just made it, I think, a really kind of tense and difficult season so far. But in amongst all that, I think there's been some hugely enjoyable football, a lot of hugely enjoyable football, actually. And if, it, if it, it's, it's almost a shame that there's such a, a bounty at the end of the season, because I think if... If this were, an, I don't know what a normal season is actually. To be fair, but if there wasn't such pressure on it this season, I think you know we, we would be building towards something pretty special. I still think we are building towards something pretty special, but I think what, what is making this, you know, and t- James talks about, um, you know, people's mania swaying from from one extreme to another, and I think that's partly f- as well as other environmental factors that we're all living through. But it's partly because you know, on the one hand, we could have an immensely successful season in terms of performances and playing style and, and and entertainment and goals and all that sort of stuff and and it could still be a disaster and that's 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 what I, you know I'm struggling still to get my head around I think probably a lot of other people are as well sorry that was a lot yeah. more than three sentences that you asked for listen I'll, I'll allow it we'll, we'll next in in 2023 we'll we'll get it even even tighter than that James I said that Neil Lennon Celtic could actually be on par with Ange Postacoglu Celtic in terms of points on on the table at this point in the season, but they're not the same. They're just not. No, no. I, I noticed in our uh, our our comments chat from the people watching live on YouTube that John Madden just messaged us from the grave. Uh, I thought he died last week, but John Madden just said one word: entertaining, and he stole my word because that was what I was going to say. That's what um, Strange Love the Doctor also says. Oh, he did. Okay. I didn't see strange lists. Oh, there we go. There we go. Yep. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's interesting, the disparity in narrative relative to, uh, where we're at. Right. So if you look at, um, uh, you know, the relative performance in the Europa league, um, we, we were a lot better in attack, right. We failed, you know, kind of just, we failed to qualify for champions league. That's the same, uh, you know, outside of a new tournament in Europe, which wasn't there last year to even theoretically qualify for, we wouldn't have made it post-Christmas. And and uh, we gave up a lot of goals this year. We gave up a lot of goals last year, but we scored a lot more this season. Um, and the league table is, is very similar. Um, if you assumed we had kind of won some of those uh, uh, fixtures last year that had piled up a little bit. Uh, so the disparity there is not not all that significant, as you said, Enda. But the narratives are like, you know, uh, miles and miles and miles different. And I think some of that is just because of how crazy last season was, the lockdowns and, you know, just the, the chaos that was going on around the club as well as just everybody the way we were living. Um, 
And I, I think there's, there's been an exhale this season and there's been this beacon of hope with Ange that has really helped. Um, I think just our collective psyche and, and the enjoyment and, and the football has been a lot more enjoyable in a lot of ways because it, it's been a lot more attacking. You know, we, we talk about this regularly, the measurable output as far as chance creation and that kind of stuff. So the underlying metrics are better this season. Um, but it's from a results perspective, they're actually a lot closer than you might think, which again, analytically, I would argue is its own um, incredible result given the disparity in talent levels and the wage bill coming down and, you know, how uh, relatively ineffective the, the summer window was. So entertaining is the key word. And, and I think, um, you know, the fascination with how much that's been important relative kind of just exhaling and enjoying the season so far um, when actually the results are kind of not that much different. Yeah. Neil Lennon's burner account on Twitter would certainly argue that it's, it's the same <laughs> well, no, thing. No, 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 what, what you said at the beginning is really important and in terms of, you know, one of the reasons I started doing what I do with Celtic by numbers was the, this fallacy that the league table doesn't lie, right? So, you know, if you if you were if you if, if you were off the off the mind that all you did was look at this season's league table and look at last season's and say Celtic are two points better off, why did we change manager? We're no better. Um, and, and what you're then doing is actually ignoring all the underlying data that, that talks about performance, then, you know, that, that is basically why we're, why we're here. <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah, big time, big time. And I, I also, I don't have the results to hand, but if memory serves me correctly, Celtic absolutely tanked in late, uh, was it November, early November, but then had a six game run before Christmas where they, they basically won every game so again you're you're talking about different animals yeah that, that 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 run in december if you think about it i know i've talked about this previously and how celtic have in the past even under rogers and that unbeaten season you you're grinding out results but, you, but think about it if you're a st johnson or a st Mirren, right you're playing all those games in december that's a really tough ask for small squads like they've got so so celtic should be winning all the games in december even if they're not mm-hmm. playing well because the opposition are really stretched from in that regard as well yeah, and I, I, if yeah. I recall correctly, it, had we, um, I think we had maybe three games in hand, something like that, going into the new year, and had yeah, it was won... 22, 22 games played for Rangers, nineteen for Celtic. Yeah, so if we had won the derby at the new year last season, which you know obviously we didn't, but it was a very close game, and you know it was kind of nip and tuck. They scored on an own goal. People forget. Uh, some people forget anyway. That was the one way they didn't even have a shot on goal really. Um, you know, it, it would have been so tight and, you know, Dubai, you know what I mean? So there was a lot of, I, I think that the, um, people were so crazy last season for so many reasons, um, that, you know, that, that this was the, why I was so critical at the time is that you, we could have pulled things back with some smart decisions <laughs> earlier than they made them, um, because of the spiral that was happening. But, um, yeah, it, it's, it's, so thank God it's over. The, the the hope and the enjoyment and the entertainment you know that that's been that's been back so that that's yeah. probably the the best part of it all yeah exactly the final thing i will say comparable to last year is that we're about a week away from the dubai debacle um in terms of uh, a year anniversary so will we do an anniversary piece on that i don't think we will i think we'll let that <laughs> die in the in the memory of celtic fans one massive talking point for this season, the narrative going into the season was the rebuild. So I don't want to spend too much time talking about the the board level rebuild. I, I, more importantly is 
the on-the-field rebuild. Celtic had an extraordinary amount of turnover when you're talking about players this year. Kyogo Ferhashi came in, Starfell, Abada, Juranovic, Giacomakis, Joe Hart, Liam Scales, Liam Shaw, Uzai Uragide, James McCarthy, Jota. That's just some of the transfers that have come in. Added now, Daisan Maeda coming in, uh, Yuzuki Iriguchi and uh, Rio Hatate to be added into that squad. A lot of outgoing players as well, players that Celtic have been looking to get rid of for a couple of years now. Lee Griffiths has gone on loan. You know, um, there's been several players that have finally been shown the door at Celtic and probably more to come now in the January transfer window if you look at the players they're bringing in. We'll start with the players that Celtic have brought in and sort of rebuilt the squad with. Alan, the top performer for me is definitely Kyogo. I think he's the one that transforms the side the most. But if you were to pick your your transfer so far that has probably impacted the, the team the most who would you who would you pick yeah i mean in terms of transfers in clearly you know he, he has been the standout i mean it's just so exciting to watch him play first and foremost um you know and then status his status as is a cult figure and a leader within the team you know cemented by you know two cup winning goals off of one leg which is which is brilliant but you know the humility that he shows as a person um the the, the work rate the endeavor the ability to clear the pitch of all rubbish is just, you know, exemplary, really. And uh, um, also uh, the fact that, you know, his coping mechanism. So uh, there was some some um, hard of thinking person on Twitter that sort of said, you know, Celtic have bought this striker. He's, he's five foot seven and, you know, blows over like a feather. And uh, the way that he's coped, the way the way that he copes with the, the sort of many hammer throwers in the league, uh, and, and and works around th- that physicality aspect. I think has been wonderful, and it the the, the and the and the and the fact that it winds the heart of thinking up so much. <laughs> the way he copes with it is just just so entertaining. But in terms of you know, he's scored. Uh, he's 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 averaging about one scoring contribution every game, um, which is exactly what he's expected. Ninety two percent of his shots come from inside the box. I mean, who doesn't love that? Um, he's, he has a scoring contribution every 28 touches, which is so far top right of recent Celtic strikers, even Edouard and Dembele. It's ridiculous. Um, and, uh, you know, in terms of, I, I have a final third effectiveness stat, which is, you know, how much of possession in the final third results in either a shot, a chance, at least a corner, but not, not just giving the ball away or nothing happening. And he's at like 57%, which again is way top right of of, of uh, Celtic strikers. So he's just been uh, phenomenal. Um, and yeah, easily the best of the signings. Um, I think, and I don't know if we're going to, we're going to cover kind of players of, of the sort of half season outside of signings, or do you want to leave that for? Yeah, no, we'll do, we'll do the player of the season so far outside of the signings yeah. as well. So, so I mean, um, James, look, do you want to give me your transfer? Yeah, go on, go on. Uh, ditto. I think that's the obvious one. So in the, <laughs> yeah. in, in the, uh, Spirit of time, I'll I'll just say ditto. Okay, sorry, Alan, I cut across you there. You no, no, no. Sorry, I was I was just going to wander on for hours. He <laughs> carry on. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, right, well, I'll, I'll I'll go to the play because I I actually put some thought into this for a change, and you'll be proud of me. I put some thought into twenty twenty two new man. The production that you yes. gave me uh, going it's all into different this. Though, isn't it? I know. So um, I. I so I looked at a bunch of different stuff, and and the one challenge with uh, let's say Jota or Kyogo is if we're just talking about you know um, contribution for the season so far, 
is, uh, you know, Jota didn't show up until after um, the window. And uh, so there was some big games in there that he didn't play, obviously. And then he got hurt right at the end or towards the end. Uh, Kyoga was out hurt and wasn't in right away for for preseason, that type of thing. So to me, there's one standout from a value perspective, and it's uh, Tony Ralston. Um, and, you know, again, forget about, you know, is he better? Is he good? Just measuring output. What did he do? And that contributed to winning games um, and, and winning points. And, and uh, you know, he, he was uh, not only was his output significant, it was consistent and it was uh, pervasive, meaning that it wasn't just that he, you know, created a lot of chances for teammates. It wasn't just that he uh, w- was solid defensively or just progressed the ball or um, just even scored goals, which he he kind of contributed in a uh, in a significant way across the board, and he did it in Europe as well, which I'll be honest was surprising to me how well he was able to do. Um, you know, I'm still skeptical that that's a long term uh, solution, but you know, uh, just again measuring actually what he did to con- contribute to. Um, the team's performance levels, I, I think, to me, he's the standout because he was there the whole time. They flogged him to death, which <laughs> contributed maybe to him getting injured there when he did. Um, so I, I, I think, you know, to me, he's he's the standout. Okay, interesting. Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, Tony Ralston, I think, has surprised everybody. If 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 somebody tries to argue that they always saw this coming from Tony Ralston, I think they're they're definitely blagging their way through it, but he has been, he really has been exceptional both defensively and he's added a lot more to the attack than I would have expected as well in terms of just getting forward and being able to continue to, to do his own job as well as contributing to the, the attack as well. I, I'm going to give mine to someone who I think we all were also surprised by and on the huddle break, then we might need to issue an apology at some point in time about James, I'm not sure you'll agree, but I'm going to give it to Joe Hart because I think the level of cool-headedness that he's brought to the team. And again, we we spoke about when we did a Joe Hart special, we spoke about the intangibles that come with him in terms of his leadership, in terms of his experience, all that. And amazingly, that is actually what has been, had a massive impact for me is the... um, experience that he brought to a team that was in a state of flux with the defense, the, the injuries, the amount of game time. And he really has been the leader within the Celtic team this year, outside of the obvious in, in Cal McGregor. Not only that, he's backed it up with some really good performances in terms of yeah, shot stops in, in the Europa league in in European football, as well as, you know, he may have had a couple of mistakes here and there, um, when it came to his early days, but all in all, it has been a massive upgrade on what Celtic had last year in terms of the goalkeeping, in terms of organization, in terms of it being able to communicate with the manager of what needs to be done. I know there's that famous uh, clip that he went over to Ange and said, right, we need to change it up a little bit here. And that's what they did. And it helped him. But I think he's improved Celtic no end this season. And but- he's been a vital player. Can I set the record straight? Because I think there's some confusion on my uh, my position on this. Is not that Hart hasn't been good because objectively he has been. I th- what I've written about is that there. I think there is a fundamental misunderstanding of the value that Barkas had last season. And if you look at the performance of Celtic 
with Barkas last season relative to Bain, we conceded double the goals, roughly. Um, so I, I, I'm not being – I haven't been critical of Hart in anything that I've written. I, I, he, he has been good this season. I just think that there's a, a misunderstanding about uh, what made Barkas value last season, including it seems like people at the club didn't appreciate that either um, because they obviously benched him and <laughs> went, went a different direction for the remainder of the season. So, yeah, it, it, it's more of an underappreciation of how the quality that Barkas was, knowing that his shot stopping was bad, right? So I wrote a whole piece yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. His, that was objectively bad, but he does other things well that kind of offset it um, and, and overwhelmed it, actually. So mm. uh, that, that's the point. It's, it's not anti-part. It's m- maybe, you know, j- different perception on, on, uh, on Barkas. Okay, you're a Barca shagger. That's 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 all I'm here. <laughs> nah, because again, I I had no point argued he should be number one this year either because mm-hmm. it seemed like that ship had sailed, meaning that you know it looked like it was time for a divorce for whatever reasons that have gone on. Um, and who knows as an outsider, well, I mean, because again, as much as we talk about stats and everything, I always thought you know, the human part of all of this is always the most important. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's the humans that do this stuff. <laughs> so, you know, it seemed to have reached an irreparable part, part point and, and Hart has objectively been, been good. There's no question about that. Yeah. I'm only taking a piss anyway. Alan, oh. uh, who is your player of the season so far, mid season? Yeah. I looked at different sort of, as you imagine, different criteria. Yeah. I think I shout out to those that have done the most work, right? So, you know, if you look at the, from, from for one to four, Turnbull, Hart, McGregor, Ralston, They've, they're the ones that have done the most work. They've been on the pitch for around about 30 games each. They're, they're the ones that have put the hard yards in, done the minutes. Um, I've talked about Kyogo, uh, and, and, and you know he would be my player of the season so far, but uh, just a few shout-outs amongst the rest of the squad for things that caught my eye. I think we talked about Turnbull a lot, um, and actually he, and he leads the team in creating chances from open play and we talked about this last season as being this is where we'd want to see Turnbull improving and 2.38 chances from open play he he creates the most chances overall 3.8 and he has the highest expected assists 0.46 so I think Turnbull is going to be a big miss we're going to miss him for for quite a while Um, whether that is offset by the balance of having somebody more athletic in there alongside Rogic could actually be better for the team, but I think we'll, we'll definitely miss Turnbull, uh, and, and he's shown to me demonstrable improvement, which is what I'm always looking for, especially from a young player. Um, Rogic has got the best assist rates, not point four six. I think with Rogic as well, what he's added to his game is he's been asked to play more as a number eight than a number ten, and that's if you think of Rogic, you think of he always plays one position, and so the fact that he's adapted at 29 years old. Into a, into a slightly different, well, quite a different role, actually. And what what has been the big leap forward in his game has been his, and, and this has almost become a signature move now in the team, is Rogic receiving the ball in that inside right half space, receiving it on the turn under pressure, moving forward with control and taking the team up the pitch. And that, that signature move, is we've seen it so many times, often receiving the ball from Carter Vickers, that, that partnership that Carter Vickers and Rogic have got that inside, that that inside uh, right right centre back to uh, sort of inside right pass has become a real feature of the season. 
Carter Vickers then, you know, he is the most creative deep deep passer, 13 pack passes uh, a game. He's also got the best defensive stats. Um, his defensive action success rate is 80%, which is my benchmark for, you know, 80% and pluses into your Ayers, your Julien, your Van Dyke, your Benkovic territory. So he's he's there. He's in that he's in that upper echelon of, of defenders that Celtic have had in the last um, six, seven, eight years that it would be the sort of top top of that. And his possessions, the possessions that he wins from defensive actions is 95%. So he's firmly in that top right corner, Carter Vickers. So there, there are others that I think deserve uh, a special mention. I've not even touched on Jota or Abada, who have both, I think, been excellent uh, as well. But those are the sort of some of the highlights for me from some of the other players. But I think, mm-hmm. yeah, Kyogo is clearly the standout. Mm-hmm. This is the Huddle Breakdown. It's our first podcast of 2022. If you're watching on YouTube, do hit the subscribe button and hit the like button as well because it let, lets more people uh, see the video. You can get our podcast on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you get your podcast as well. We've spoken about our uh, best performer so far, our best transfer so far as well. Let's talk about the disappointments so far. I, I, I'm not sure there's been many massive disappointments in terms of performers in the Celtic team so far, but we'll, we'll pick through a couple of them. Um, one that I want to throw out there, and look, I, I almost feel bad already putting him out there as, as one of them, <laughs> but I suppose you, can, you have to be honest as much as you can on this. And I've been really disappointed, disappointed with Montgomery so far this season and what I've seen from him, just because, you know, when a young player comes in, you want to see them do well, you want to see them develop and just from what I've seen from him this year so far, I just have my doubts now whether or not he's going to be a Celtic player in the future. Alan, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so I, when I was thinking about biggest disappointments, I was almost thinking of you know what are the what are the anti anti Ralston. So Ralston is an unbitten actually who I wanted to mention are great examples of players that you think, well, they're never what role they really have they got in, in the forward-looking Celtic team. Not just from the fact that there was no great history of recent great performance, but also you couldn't see how they would fit into a Postacoglu team either. Um, and on the other hand, because of just the absolutely mental number of Im- uh, injuries that the, the squad has, has had, so many players have, have had opportunities. And I think it's the ones that have had the opportunities and not taking them taken them that has been the biggest disappointment for me. Um, so players like Soro, who broke into the team last year, he had a good run of games this season and, and just seemed to just seemed like he became skittish, erratic, uh, whether it's self-confidence or not, I don't know, but just no no development there really or no, no forward uh, momentum in terms of his career at Celtic. Um, I think Montgomery is a little bit harsh. The kid's been moved around a lot. But but again, you know, has he actually got better the longer he's been in the team? No, he hasn't. And maybe he needs a bit of a, a bit of protecting and, and a bit of uh, you know, time out out of that glare of the first team. A yeti, a yeti got a run of games. Uh, I've been really really positive about a yeti since he joined because I think his basic underlying numbers, the positions he takes up, his finishing ability is fantastic when he when he gets a chance. But he's just not taking his chance. He just Again, he looks laboured. Uh, when he did get, we did get in because there was no one else standing. He immediately, you know, blew his hamstring up trying, trying to press the ball, which which seemed like a completely alien thing for him to try and do. Um, 
I think in terms of other players that have been disappointing, I'll just touch on a couple more. Um, you know, I've got to say McCarthy. Um, I was curious, very curious, really, as to what we were going to get with McCarthy. And what we've got is a very, very specific set of skills that I don't think we really need as a priority. Um, and I don't think he's going to offer much beyond those very, very good, very high-end skills for what he does. But um, to me, he's got as much mobility as Roy Keane had in the in the short time he was with us, 13, 14 games, where he later said he felt he was stealing a wage. I don't think McCarthy's mobility uh, is looks much better to me than, than, than mm. that. And the final one, which will maybe cause a bit of consternation, is actually Starfelt, because I, I defended Starfelt, but his stats are horrible. <laughs> um, you know, I, 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 the way I judge centre-backs is through defensive action success rate and then possessions won through defensive actions. I mentioned this with Carter Vickers and how he's pushing into that top echelon. Starfelt on those numbers is, is right down in, in, in the lowest <laughs> bottom left corner. Now, what I will say, right, what I will say is, does it matter? Right, and the reason I say that is because for Postacoglu, is somebody flying into headers and winning headers and clearing the ball? Is that really important to, to Postacoglu? I suspect it isn't, and I suspect Starfield has some other attributes that make him quite important to the team. But it's not just the fact that he you know, he mainly fails in his defensive duels, that's really his aerial duels. That's really what brings his stats down. It's the number of errors, you know, nineteen defensive errors. That's ten more than anyone else. You know, I look at point five defensive errors per ninety minutes is my benchmark. If you're in that red zone above point five, then I'm, I've got you know I'm, I'm not I'm not happy. And he's at point like point seven five. Um, how does that uh, how does that compare to Shane Duffy? Uh, Shane Duffy was about yeah, it was in that space. But Shane Duffy's defensive metrics were actually really good because he was a very dominant defender. Uh, Starfelt mm. is you know he's got easily the worst aerial aerial stats of any defend central defender I've come across. His 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 defensive stats are almost identical to Bitton playing central midfield. Okay, so the credit to Bitton, he's got really good defensive stats this season playing midfield. But Starfelt is really like, like if you, it's, like, it's like having bit on back in defence in that sense, and we all know how that kind of worked out. So um, overall, um, I'm still I'm still wanting Starfelt to succeed, and I still want to look at him in a more rounded sense. Um, and, and, and what I'm saying by that is his basic numbers are terrible, but I think there's other things he probably brings to the team. Uh, and the one that's really disappointed me the most, if I had to pick one, would be a Yeti. He really did. Uh, I really, th- I really had high hopes he would be the type of striker Celtic needed. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of undress there. We might do a, a Starfelt specific podcast, well, maybe look yeah. a, a little bit deeper into him. The James McCarthy one, James, will bring you in just in a sec. The only reason I won't have James McCarthy down there as a disappointment is that my expectations were so low when right, he was okay. signed that he's actually performed exactly how I expected and he's played <laughs> as much as I expected him to. Yeah. Fair days. Uh, yeah, I, I'll. I have my little uh, scratch it note here, and I can say it. it says Starfelt as disappointment right there. Uh, I, I don't. For me, it's not even close. And I, I'm, I'm analytically. And again, it's not personal. <laughs> I, I actually like all of the players on the team this year. Like, I, there's none that kind of you know rub me the wrong way, or you know what I mean. Like, they just they all seem like good guys, and they're all. There's that uh, ethos that's going on in 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 the side that seems genuine. Uh, so I like Starfelt, but I think I'm I'm ready to stick the fork in it and say it's done. Um, 
I think there was I had a lot of worry that he was not a good fit um, when we signed them. The fact that his price tag was as high as it was uh, for within the context of Celtic at I think it was four and a half million, something like that. Um, his age profile, meaning that his sell on value is probably not going to be anything great. Uh, he's probably closer to like a Julian in that perspective. Um, and to Alan's points, I, his, it, when I look at his ensemble of data, not, not just any specific area, but I, I talked about how well Ralston's done um, outside of being very safe with his passing, which we talked about when we signed him, that was his profile. Like he's, you know, incredibly conservative with his passing and efficient in that way. I mean, he's good at being super safe. Let's put, you know, give him that credit. Outside of that, he he's just not been good. And I think that the narrative that shifted because we switched how we were playing that kind of protected him a, a good bit in that kind of September, October into November period um, allowed this narrative that they're forming this great partnership and all of that. My concern, not only do I think that he's been the biggest disappointment because of everything that Alan said and the price tag and that we need him to be good is as we shift our style of play back towards Ange ball with these new guys coming in, I'm worried that he's going to continue to be exposed more with the deficits that he has playing the high line, not having the pace um, and, you know, not being good on the ball. Um, in, in any kind of ball progression or creative sense or beating guys one V one with the dribble. Um, so, uh, you know, disappointment and he's probably my single biggest concern heading into the second half of the season on, on top of that. Uh, and I think ultimately he's probably going to be a bad financial decision as well. Uh, so that's, that's a three dimensional disappointment for me. Can I just sorry, can I just add yep. one thing? So his performance in the League Cup final against Hibernian was one of the most career-ending performances I've ever seen from a Celtic player. It was absolutely... I think it was overshadowed probably by Kyogo's goals and Andrew when he's first trophy. But if you actually look at, Kyogo, at Starfelt's performance in that final, it was absolutely horrendous. And it reminded of early when he faced, you know, uh, I forget if he was Mitchell and and um, uh, Alkmar, but the commonality with all of that is guys that are paid, have pace that are going up against him. Remember Ginelli <laughs> uh, at heart? I mean, he, he does not playing a high line against any kind of pace. I, I just, I, I, I really worry. Um, and, yeah. and, we, we really minimized or reduced that profile for him for about eight, 10 weeks there. And it started creeping back in as we started moving more towards playing like Ange wants to play again. And yeah. I don't think he's bringing in Maeda and Hatate and Idaguchi <laughs> uh, so that we can play more like, you know, 18, 19 Rogers. So, yeah. yeah. The, Kevin, from, Kevin, from memory. Kevin, Kevin. Kevin Nesbitt's as quick as me, right? And he he not only beat <laughs> beat Starfelt, he did he did that works five aside thing of going back and beating him again. It, yeah. was, it was it was awful. And not only that, he actually missed two great chances at the other end. It was just I'm I, the, 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 I'm, I'm thinking back and I'm thinking maybe Tyler Blackett away in Mulder maybe or <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, it was that level of awfulness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The uh, for memory the Ezed Akmar. 
uh, game plan in the second leg was literally kick the ball over the top of Celtic's defence and chase after it. I, I, I think I'm remembering the correct game. I think it was the second leg, but that 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 was that was just the way it is. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Starfell lasts. Maybe he was a uh, plug the gap until the end of the season type signing. Not with that price tag. It, I mean, that's my point. Yeah. It, I, you don't bring a center half in at Celtic for four and a half million. I mean, he was second to Kyogo in the rebuild as far as cost. So, mm-hmm. you know, that bad that, business. Right. Yeah. Right. We'll, uh, we'll hope that he improves at least again. This is, this is the beauty of being a Celtic podcast. If you're wrong about a player who you're calling bad, if they prove you're wrong, you're happy. So exactly. um, that's, exactly. that's, that's where I fall on, on being wrong on Joe Hart when people get on to me about it. But um, I guess, look, there's going to be some overlap here with the surprise player of the season because I mean you know like Ralston would 100% be my surprise if he hasn't been mentioned already as a, a standout performer performer in terms of the the surprise performances I, I I guess you know like Tom Rogic has has definitely surprised me in some of the performances that he's put in and his ability to adapt to the high high intensity of of Ange ball and you know he's he's always been one of my favorite players but I thought you know he might be sacrifice for a more hard-working engine within the team that just hasn't happened for for a, a number of reasons but if i were to get you to choose someone who hasn't been mentioned so far as a surprise performer alan who would it be yeah um i'll mention briefly Hart. just because what a lovely fellow he is I, mean, I, I never knew that he's just absolutely genuinely lovely guy and that was being yeah, a complete he, surprise to me <laughs> He's is the, the end of this hope for you. So guys in their 20s can be pricks. And then when they get into their <laughs> mid-30s, Listen. so there's still hope for you. Twitter's no, he's Hart, Hart is the uh, he's, he's the epitome of a player who, if he's playing for the team that you hate, you absolutely hate him because he's completely bought into their ethos. Whereas when he's on your team, you know, he's, he's the guy that you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think yeah someone, but he, 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 ha- he hasn't been a dick. You know what I mean? Like there's no, guys not. that, yeah, yeah there's are guys he's that you're happy to have on your team, yeah. but they're a dick, but he's not, he's just, a, he's been a really genuinely good guy who you want to root for. Yeah. Um. Mm. So yeah. I, he's been a delight. I think, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. So I, we, we, we've done, we've done Rogic. I did, I did Rogic, you know, that ability, as I say, to, to transition to that eight role, I think it's been a big surprise. Bitton touched on a little bit. I mentioned his defensive stats, but who, who would have thought they'd have seen near Bitton galloping down the left wing with a ball? I mean, it's been brilliant. Watching him play as an eight against St. Johnson was hugely entertaining and he did really well. So that, that, and his defensive stats, as I mentioned, are, are, are excellent. And, and, and that's incredible because if you think about, you know, Postacoglu's first introduction to Bitton was that ludicrous sending off at home to Micheland. And you sort of think, that's your career done, pal. I, I cannot trust you. I cannot trust you in a big game not to do something stupid. Um, so he, he, it's been remarkable that he's he's actually added true value to the team. But yeah, I, I, you can't, listen, in this category, you can't look uh, more than, than Ralston. He's actually been more creative than Callum McGregor this season. His expected assists and his actual assists are both higher than McGregor's. Um, defensively, his numbers are good. He's kind of nudging towards the tyranny territory of defensive output. He's he's been that he's been that good. The goals that he scored from nowhere, uh, he's become a talisman. You know that winner at Ross County. He's become a, an almost iconic uh, player to have around the team. I mean, who would have thought this wee guy that looks like 
he looks like a high school wrestler. <laughs> and he, as we said, he runs like a builder. Who'd have thought he'd turn into such an icon? So yeah, definitely mm. the surprise. And and I'm going to throw another defender into the mix here. And it might surprise people that he surprised me, but I think Cameron Carter-Vickers has been a real surprise for the season because when you see a transfer like this happening, especially the time of year that it happened, it was late in the transfer window. Celtic desperately needed a centre-back. And this guy, Cameron Carter-Vickers, who was at Tottenham out on loan, hasn't really played all that much. Looks a little bit overweight when you're when you're looking at his body shape. And he just comes in and absolutely bosses the league in the manner that he has. He's like, by, by far and away, the best defender in the league this season. I think because my expectations were quite low in terms of what we were getting, what we've gotten is a player that potentially could be worth double digits by the time Celtic decide to sell him if they do. Yeah, I, he's been tremendous. Um, again, I, 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 the only thing that um, I, I worry about him relative to who's next to him. I mean, that in a in a properly designed partnership, I think he could be tremendous at Celtic. Uh, it's just I don't think Starfelt complements his um, areas of weakness, meaning that he's functional on the ball. He's gotten better on the ball, but he's not a ball playing center half. He's very good defending kind of um, uh, the, the forward third and defending the box. But aerially, you know, he, he's he, he's good, but maybe not great. You know, so again, if you don't have someone who's dominant in the air next to you, defending crosses and that kind of thing, um, you know, so I, yeah, I, I think he's been been extremely good. I mean, it's it's and getting better. I I think um, my my pick's Rogic mostly because again, it's an expectations issue, and um, you know, w- w- once I uh, educated myself on how Andrew is going to play, what he demands of his midfielders, I wrote him off. I mean, I did. It, it just. I, I, I didn't think there was any chance that he was going to be able to not only get fit enough, but stay fit enough. And quite frankly, to have the athleticism, uh, even within that context, if he did to be able to be fast enough, quick enough to be functional. And I think he, to his credit, he's been functional in the areas of the game that I think most of us would have pointed out were by far his weaknesses off the ball movement and, you know, pressing and that, those types of things. I think he's uh, b- both he and the the, the staff uh, deserve huge credit to get him to that level. And you could see it. I mean, he's leaner. The, the whole squad. I mean, guys look like they've lost, you know, weight where they're just down to uh, lean and mean. Um, and yeah, he, he's been way better in that role uh, than than I than I certainly expected. Yeah, and considering he was about to, you know, jump ship and pretty much just sail into the sunshine in Qatar, he decided to to stay and and fight for his place. And I mean, like he he's my favorite Celtic player. He he, he was. I th- I think I said it last year before when everything was bad. So I'm I'm going to take credit when everything's good that he's just he is the man that can make magic happen. He is the magician. So that's uh, it's great to see him performing to the level that he is for Celtic. Before we finish up, then that's the season so far. What about the the next half of the season? Obviously, we have had a delay in the derby match, and could be a second delay depending if Celtic decide to um, 
you know, request a, a postponement again. I know it's in the rules that if you have more than four players that are away on international duty, that you can three. request a is three. Is it you can request a, a a delay? So they may choose to do that if uh, the Japanese players plus Rogic are are on international duty in February. Um, Hibs up next. Obviously, every every game really is important now until the end of the season. It's when the pressure really comes up with the added depth that we've added in January, what are you expecting from the, the, the second half of this season? So the, the, the most important part of all this break has been the time that Postacoglu is getting with these players with no games. That is because we've seen that that was not, not, not transformative, but in terms of the, there was a significant jump forward in cohesion and uh, in terms of how the team was playing during that first international break uh, in early early October, whatever, late October, whenever it was, in terms of when the team came back and had had two weeks on the pitch, just just focusing on shape and uh, organisation, uh, there was you know there was there was night and day, especially defensively. Um, that kind of unravelled a little bit as we went through December through sheer attrition, and and the fact that we're putting out teams that will probably never play for Celtic again, elevens that you'll never see again, week after week. Uh, you know, four, five, six changes um, were happening game after game. Um, if if we can get the players uh, fit and they can take messages on board, and that cohesion starts, because at the moment, you know, I, th- I think uh, it was it was musing yesterday in an article I did on Celtic by numbers that is is everybody in the squad underperforming against their expected goals and expected assists, apart from Jota. So is that could that some of that be down to just players just not used to playing with each other? They don't know. Oh, actually, I've put it on his wrong foot, or I, I don't, I don't, I've not read his, I'm not, I've not started to read his runs yet, so I've put the ball in, but I was a fraction late with it. These are tiny margins, but these are the little things that come through play with, being able to play with players and train with players week in week out. Now we're still in a massively transitional period. That's not going to change between now and the end of the season. It'll improve, but and there's still significant risks uh, around. Um, not just the um, ongoing injury situation, the risks for more injuries because of the way that we play and maybe other factors as well that we've talked about, um, the number of games that we've still got to play, the, the lack of cohesion and understanding that the team has. So there's still huge numbers of risks. And, and, and I suspect, if I'm being absolutely honest with you and speaking from my head, not my heart, those risks and, and issues are, 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 it's going to be incredibly difficult to to win win the league trying to overcome those risks. It, re- it really is. It will be an, it will be mm. incredible if we win this league, given the 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 adversity and, and 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 issues we've got to overcome to to get a coherent team on the pitch. But having said all that, um, you know it's going to be incredibly exciting because these players have clearly been bought by the manager. These are not these are not pretend director of football signings. These are manager signings. These are players that he knows that he has bought for a specific purpose in mind in terms of their role in the team. So that's hugely encouraging. Hopefully we'll see a couple more because I, th- I think we need probably a centre-back. We may need another left-back and we may need another, another wide player. Uh, I think to, you know, probably three players of them being greedy. <laughs> I don't know whether we'll get them. Money's clearly tight. The way that the Maeda deal was structured probably suggests that, as 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 as, as all teams will be, given what's transpired over the last couple of years. So mm-hmm. a lot of hope. I think it'll be massively entertaining, but I do think we've we've got some enormous risks to overcome. That I think it would be a miracle if we if we did overcome them successfully. 
Yeah. Look, I said at the start of the season, and I this isn't hindsight speaking, I said that if, if Celtic finished the season within six points of Rangers, that's an improvement because it is. They finished 25 points behind Rangers last year. Granted, you have to take into account the Celtic massively underperformed and the fact that Rangers massively overperformed, but the gap is 25 points. And a realistic person would not have said Celtic would regain the league title this year because of the amount of flux, losing the manager. Didn't, didn't, they didn't have a manager for three months. So a realistic person would not have said Celtic should win the league. I think what really has brought about this idea that Celtic might win the league is how much they have improved under Ange. So I think if Celtic finish, again, within six to three points of Rangers... That gives me enough positivity that that things were done right this year, that the team were playing well. They went depending on how they get on the Conference League, potentially could be a European trophy there. And I mean that that is the base you have now for what's going to come next year with another build, with more players coming in, with a stronger squad. That's that's ultimately what I want to see. So all I want to see is Celtic continue to improve in the manner that they did potentially win another uh, trophy in the cup, potentially go on a good run in the Europa League conference. And then if the league happens, it happens. But if the league doesn't happen this year, as long as they're within touching distance of Rangers, I think that's a satisfying season. I'm going to disagree. I, don't, I, I can't handle that. Uh, I, intellectually, I understand and can can concede that that's reasonable. Um but I, I think the league's there to be won. But I, I, I unfortunately, analytically, I share Alan's kind of um, pragmatic concern, I guess, maybe, um, which is I, I think the risk profile, similar to Alan, is, is very um, significant. And I think not only the fact that we've had the injuries, but I've, um, I'm not going to get into it because uh, it's, pop psychologist type stuff, but uh, I've been as concerned about uh, Ange's responses to what's going on with injuries um, as the injuries themselves, meaning that I I don't have a lot of faith uh, that the issues that have driven them outside of getting maybe some more depth are going to be addressed. I mean, I I think he's going to continue to flog players or let them play when they're hurt, like he's done with Kyogo twice now. Um, So... You know, I, I, that's a huge problem. I think the other issue is, um, well, let me step back. So outside of that issue, I think the the, the things that are within our control are going to get better and continue to get better. And uh, even finishing might get better. You know, some some mean reversion there as well as, you know, guys like Maeda looks like he's a really, you know, guy who can, can finish. Um, my concerns are some of the things that we can't control, i.e. randomness. Uh, and, and the way we're going to start playing, I think, is going to increase that randomness and then how teams decide to uh, confront us. And I think that teams that pull kind of the Dundee United and decide to have a go, quote unquote, against us are going to get absolutely shredded, <laughs> uh, that we will put up some really huge score lines against teams where some of our mean reversion, let's see on an XG basis might be because of a seven, one on three XG, that kind of thing, or a seven nil um, against a team that tries to, to open up against us. I think teams that are smarter will realize that they cannot do that. And that if they park the bus, that 
dramatically will increase their potential for for picking up points and even countering against us because again kind of like the the if, if you look at the profile of the t- the players that we're adding they're not going to help our issues in the air <laughs> uh none of these guys are big or um are going to be terribly good at you know um rebalancing our our issues with defending set pieces and and really just teams throw lobbing balls you know like you talked about into what az alkmaar did lobbing balls over the top going down the sides uh into that half space that the invert fullbacks allow um so i could see a lot of bark uh bus parking and high balls and and if i was you know, a Motherwell or St. Marin or St. Johnston. I mean, that's what I would do. It, it's to me the clear and obvious tactical setup, like Livingston's done twice and given us a royal pain in the ass. Um, and some some of that might improve a little bit with the change in personnel that we're going to have, but it's probably the the the, the lesser evil, so to speak. Um, because I do think with Hatate coming in, actually we didn't get to that, but I, I think he might be the most important player that we've added for the second half. Uh, he might be the most important player in the second half um, in, in uh, what, what, what he's likely to add. And, um, you know, opening up at all with people like him and Maeda now coming in, it, it's just going to be really difficult for domestic teams outside of Rangers to, to handle that. Um, mm. so that's it. I should say that Ross Goodwin boys analytics will be with me shortly. I recorded this earlier on the day talking about Maeda, Idaguchi and, um, um, Hatate, sorry, Hatate, yeah. name escaped me there for a second. But what, why do you think my, uh, Hatate might be the most important? Um, because he's got the ability to do things that we need and, um, his who he would be replacing whether it's it you know i suspect it's probably going to be in midfield but even if it's at left back uh he's got the kind of pace the explosiveness and the skills on the ball and the pressing right so if you kind of drew up a ange ball prototype player he fits it and um so i i think that depth in midfield is is going to be of utmost importance obviously with Turnbull out but as Alan said even with if when Turnbull comes back uh having that extra athleticism next to a Rogic or next to a Turnbull depending on you know it'll allow rotation and guys not getting flogged and so that could reduce the injury risk as well right so I think that's the linchpin whereas my I mean Maeda probably be terrific but we've got a lot more options there um jota coming back hopefully and hopefully forest and even mikey johnston and abada i mean you've got you know waves of guys hopefully that we can throw at that problem whereas in the midfield you know in that specific role um i i think hatate is is a huge piece yeah I'm, i'm looking forward to to seeing him celtic still haven't formally announced him he hasn't arrived in um in scotland just yet but hopefully that will happen fairly soon so we can get in and start working with the the rest of the players. Alan, you're obviously uh, unique when it comes to the data world and the data in Celtic because you do your own stuff. So is there anything that you want to highlight now before we move on to the transfers with Ross? No, I think it's just, as I say, the variance factors that, you know, 
they have been very much against Celtic. If you look at what are the things that that can influence performance that you that they're almost outside your control of what you do in a football pitch, and it and it's things like the injuries. I think some of it may be self inflicted, uh, as, as James has talked about previously. Um, but still, the, the disparity in terms of volume of matches that Celtic have missed. So really looking for that to reduce. The, the fact that everybody outside of Yota is underperforming their expected goals and assists, I mean, you you got to think that's going to change at some point, you you know, because this has been going on for um, a couple of seasons now. And it, it can, that can happen, right? It can happen. And again, there's probably some logical reasons for that. And we talked about um, cohesion and understanding and so forth, and not having you know a settled team on the pitch also will will will, will not help in that regard. Um, you know, so I noticed uh, a great big great fan of mine uh, on the comments, uh, love lovely Rangers supporter that uh, follows me around, uh, commented that uh, you know, where where has been the the articles on the refereeing decisions? Um, actually, will be out tomorrow. A uh, bit of a catch up. So, 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 so many, so many games. Uh, so All that logic getting away of a good argument. Yeah, yeah so many games uh, in December, and, and my guy has guess what? He's been enjoying uh, the, the 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 holidays with his family. So he's been a bit slow getting back to me. That's not criticism, by the way. It's just just life. Um, so that'll be out tomorrow. But again, if you look at the decisions, the big decisions in big games, the, the net net, you know. Um, Celtic have not have not got the uh, on the right uh, right end of those. So if you were really looking for a bit of, uh, I think there's a bit of hope there in the sense of you wouldn't expect such a negative variance across all dimensions uh, in the second half of the season. You would think, but you never know. Yeah, we we shall see. Hopefully, we get. And by the way, I'm not writing off the league. I don't. I want to make that absolutely clear. I think. No, I think the league is still literally one. I'm just. Now. I'm just saying that. If you get a couple of cups and you get a good run in the league, you know, was potentially out of out of our grasp this year anyway. But we'll see. Hopefully they do win the league. Again, delighted to be wrong if they do. Alan James, 2022, New Year, New Me. Thanks very much for all that. You bet. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Ender. All right, stick with us because I spoke to Ross Goodwin from Boys Analytics who uh, has done a deep dive on the three Japanese signings, uh, Ryo Hatate, Yuzuki, Iriguchi, and um, who did I say? Ryo Hatate, Iriguchi, and Daisan Maeda. Maeda. Yeah. yeah, my my memory is failing me today. But we also talk about Johnny <laughs> Kenny as well, who is uh, going to join in the next couple of days from uh, Irishside Shamrock or could, Sligo could he- Rovers. Could he eclipse scales as your uh, blatantly Homer uh, favorite or what? No, I don't think he's going to get the same opportunities as scales, but uh, he might do. I mean, oh, he will. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not ruling anything out. In he's only two so hamstrings far. away from being number one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Here is my chat with uh, Ross from earlier on. Enjoy. All right. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Transfer market is in full flow. Celtic got a good bit of their business done early doors with the triple signing of Japanese players coming from the J League. Daisen Maeda, uh, Itaguchi, Yuzik Uruguchi, and uh, Ryo Hatate all coming in 
from the J League. Ross Goodwin, aka Boys Analytics, is on the line with me as we pick through these three guys and what we're going to expect. Ross, Happy New Year. How are you? Happy New Year to yourself, Enda, and uh, thanks for having me on again. appreciate it. All good. So exciting times for Celtic, I guess, making good use of the Japanese market, as we sort of expected might happen under Ange Postacoglu and when Kyogo Furuhashi came through the doors. Mm-hmm. Bit of a surprise player, and I think he's exceeded everybody's expectations, um, judging on the fact that nobody really seen what he had done in the J-League. Firstly, before we get into the individual talents yourself in, in themselves, are you expecting broadly with the three signings coming in now from the J-League that they might do the same? Uh, yeah, mostly. It's a case of we've seen Kyogo come in and be a huge success, so it's a, a basis of how much do you trust Ange as a scout, in a sense, as well as a manager. It's pretty clear he understands the game and how he wants to play and the types of players that he needs. So he's been watching... Um, these players in the J League for years now, he knows exactly what they can do. He's came up against them, or he's been, or he's managed them, so he knows exactly what he's going to get from these players, and he knows they can fit them right into his system. So, in my opinion, it's a case of do you trust Ange as a manager? Yeah, do you trust him as a scout? Is more the question here, and I think the answer so far has been yes. When it's been players he's uh, directly looked at and brought in um, from the league, he's been an expert in. He's had what well, he's only had Kyogo so far. It's been a hundred percent success rate. But if you're getting three out of four, two out of four, correct, that's still a very good rate of success in transferring players across the globe to a new league, new culture. So he's done a great job integrating Kyogo so far, and I can't, I don't see any reason why any of these three players would be any different. Yeah, there's a broader discussion that we could have if we had an extra 30 minutes to get into, but generally, is it a worrying sign that Ange is the guy that seems to be making the decisions when... If he's not here in a year or two, we might have players that he bought specifically for his system and then the manager comes in and we have to start rebuilding once again. Well, this is the issue. You want um, the kind of, usually you'd have your director of football model, you'd have continuity planning, keeping the kind of structure and the type of football very similar. Um, we can only hope that that's kind of going on in the background and that if Ange does go and uh, it, to be honest, it's looking like he will step up a level after a number of years eventually. The club really need to be ready to bring in someone that's going to play a fairly similar style of football. Uh, otherwise, you're going to need to, well, you're going to need to remove most of the team and bring in players that are more suited. So this is thing, contingency planning, having lists of managers that play similar styles at all time. This is things normal clubs should be doing on a regular basis and keeping updated lists. But for the moment, we don't need to really worry about that right now. These are players Ange knows, he's brought them in. I guess you, you could also say, like, oh, uh, how's our own scouting department doing? Um, well, the case is he knows these players are good. He doesn't need to go to the scouting department. He's watched them already. He's done the, the most a scout can actually do for these players, which is watch them for probably hundreds, if not thousands of minutes already. So for the short term, this is really good news. Uh, long-term stuff at the club, it's always, well, a, a, as we were um, before we got Anjan, it's still questions to be asked. But it's an early sign of intent from Nicholson, who's just taken over get the transfers done early. We know Peter Law would like to uh, wait around to the end of the window to shave a few thousand pounds off, uh, despite the damage that would do long-term. So it's quite good to see the club being a bit more progressive in their actions so far. So maybe that's a promising sign going forward. Yeah, big time. Well, let's get into the ones that we know are definitely coming. We might touch on Johnny Kenny at the end, who's uh, due to sign from Sligo Rovers in the League of Ireland. We'll start with probably, I think, the most exciting one, and that's Dizan Maeda, who is joining 
as a, a left winger or a striker, depending on what system you, you're trying to play. So uh, let's get into him. What What is he going to bring to the table that we don't have already? Well, he's going to bring the, a series backup option to Kyogo that fits the system. Right now, we've been using Machete and Giacomakis, or really just or Abada even now that we, our squad was running so thin. But we've not really had anyone that can maintain the energy and pace of Kyogo's press for the entire game. So I think Maeda will be used as primarily a backup to Kyogo. You can't be running around 90 minutes every three days uh, the way Kyogo does, or he's going to pick up injuries like we've seen. So bringing on Maeda for the final 30 minutes of games is something that I think will be quite common theme under Ange over the next few months. Um, he can also be deployed out wide. Um, this year, he's very different from how Jota plays. Uh, Jota is much more technically gifted, creative, uh, beats the man made, is not the most technically gifted player in the world. He's not really one for linking up play. He's very much in the box is where he's dangerous and outside is where he's less dangerous. Not a lot of touches. Um, he's really about intelligence in the box, getting space for himself and getting goals. Uh, that's why I think he'll be more prioritised to the central role. Um, this season's been the first season where he's really prioritised that central role and I think he's scored 14 goals and one assist from the central role which is uh, better than his output out, out in the wing with less minutes. So I think he's um, kind of naturally uh, acclimatised to the centre forward role. Um, <clears throat> that's probably well likely to see the end of Ajete um, getting moved on and freeing up the wages. Uh, and Giacomacus might be used as kind of um, an alternating option for holding up the ball or if we want to go more route one into the box near the end of games if we're not winning. But very much I do think Maeda is going to be this backup striker. We can see that from his output in Japan. He's 0.6 XG per 90. If he's 0.4 or above in Scotland, he's going to be doing fairly well for Celtic regardless. So we want to see that kind of energy coming on the pitch. And it's just going to be important to have that kind of legs and running power coming on the pitch against tired bodies in Scotland. Um, kind of much more maybe the J-League much more cultural they're usually fitter um, they can run longer better stamina better diets things like that um, so I'm, I'm very excited for Maeda to come in it'll take a, I think it'll take a lot of the burden off Ke- that Keogh's been holding his back so far this season So in, in terms of um, his energy levels in, in his underlying data can you tell how good or otherwise he is at pressing because I think that's the key one yeah, so the, the the two metrics I use from them, the kind of wide scout data, the successful defensive actions per ninety eight, and possession adjusted interceptions per ninety eight. So that's when you you just you're cutting out passing and how many times you're actually getting in the face of the opposition. I think these are good metrics for measure, measuring how forwards defend because generally we see quite low numbers um, from players that are attacking. They're not going to be really pressing defenders as much or winning as much ball. Uh, Maeda's numbers for these stats are ridiculous. You're talking maybe somewhere close to what Ryan, more than what Ryan Christie was outputting as a number eight, which is where you're probably expecting those kind of numbers. He's got 7.3 successful defensive actions per 90. In Japan, Kyogo was only at 4.8, so it's a huge jump. And possession adjusted interceptions is 5.46, which again, huge jump from Kyogo's numbers in Jam, Japan, which were only 2.38. This guy pretty much built to run. He's very hard to play against because you're pretty much always going to be playing risky first-time passes. You don't want to be put under pressure by him. If you're going to get caught in that final third, you're going to enter the final third transition and you're going to give away key chances. So keeping Maeda away from you, is pro- or playing fast is the best way to keep Maeda away from you, but teams in Scotland just aren't going to be able, capable of doing that with the amount of pace he's going to play at and the amount of pressure he's going to uh, be able to put opposition teams under. This is kind of what we've been kind of looking for from Ange. If Jota's not going to play in that left wing, 
although Maeda might not be the most technically gifted, winning the ball higher up more often, having much more defensive solidity as he's able to do the running back and forwards uh, much more often. And he's obviously um, got a good goal output in the box as well. So getting the ball in the box uh, more often, getting him in the end of crosses. He's actually quite, for I think he's only five foot eight. He scores like a ridiculous amount of headers, which I've, I've, I've seen brought up by a few. He's at 0.17 headers per 90, which would put him um, just about top in Scotland, which is pretty insane for a guy that's only five foot eight. But he just it speaks to them in a intelligence in his game, running onto the ends of ball so he's not man-marked or generating space away from centre-backs. He really It's all about movement, it's all about pressing, and this this guy's really good at it. This is why Ange just brought him in. Uh, he's going to be able to really complement the team very well. I'd be very surprised if Maeda didn't go on to be a success at Celtic. If you're putting yeah. in that amount of running, especially against teams in Scotland, you're generally always going to get good output eventually. And just before we finish up on Maeda, you mentioned that he might be sort of a, a replacement for Kyogo or a, a rotation player for Kyogo. What what are the chances do you reckon that he'll play Maeda and Kyogo together and then have Jota in a more floating role to complement the, the running that they're putting in? Well, it's something more like the 3-5-2 we've seen uh, more recently. Yeah, I, I think it's quite likely. Ange has... I, I wrote a piece for the Celtic way, way back in July looking at how Ange um, altered his Australia team to move to a 3-5-2. I think he went to the World Cup and maybe got a bit of a reality check on the, the gap in skill level between his team and the other teams and wanted to try and solidify the central area a lot more. So he pulled the three centre-backs in and put the two stri- and went to the two-striker system. So I think it's something he's very accustomed to using. He's, research, he's clearly researched it and understands how to use that system. If you're using two pressers, I think it becomes quite effective. You don't really need the wide players pushing up as much. Um, you can have Maeda and Keogh go right on the centre-backs if they're only playing a back-four system. It also gives, we've seen the benefits to having the two strikers there against St. Johnson. Played the five at the back, low block, but with two players running about in the box, it's a lot more difficult to defend. And we saw a bad object getting all sorts of space uh, against St. Johnson that he wasn't afforded against St. Martin uh, when they sat in the box for 90 minutes. So I think it is something we could see, especially maybe in Europe. Uh, I, I could imagine had to, um Kyogo and Maeda playing, especially counter-attacking football, they're, they'd be extremely effective at it. Uh, very clever players, very fast, and if you put them up against teams, especially when we go up against Bodo Glimp, who aren't going to be fully match fit, you really want to be killing that tie at Celtic Park the first game, because you're not going to get a better opportunity to be a team at that level. Mm. Desperately, Celtic needed another uh, person in midfield, and they got that with uh, Yuzuki Iriguchi, Gucci, as he refers to himself. This was desperately needed. Um, is he going to bring in what Celtic need in that midfield? Well, I thought his signing was probably the most interesting. It was probably the number six role wasn't probably one people thought of, but I just probably had a look at um, the resources at his disposal and went, he really, we need someone else in there. We need a better rotation option uh, that makes more sense to how we want to play. Uh, we brought in McCarthy. Mm. I think it's, I think everyone's at probably a level where he's probably not the most suited to just style. He can't do the. He's not got the kind of mobility to running, and he's been injured for a good chunk of the time he's been here. And as you get older, those numbers will only get worse, and the injuries will get more frequent. So Idiguchi came in with a wee bit. A few people saying maybe he's not up to the standard. He does led the early move to Leeds, which was a, a ridiculous <laughs> career decision. Don't move to teams if you don't have a work permit. It should be pretty common sense by now, um, but. 
when he's went back to Japan, uh, his defensive numbers stayed pretty consistent between the time Gambo Saka finished second in the league and when they finished 13 in the league. So defensively, he's doing around uh, 10, 11 successful defensive actions per 90. That's the highest. That If we compare that to the sample size in Scotland, that'd be around the highest. Uh, defensive duels, a lot of defensive duels per 90, around the highest in the league, regardless of his if his team are more dominant or less dominant. His passing and uh, creative and offensive output really did fall off in his second season, as quite a lot of people have said. Uh, however, as they'd finished second year previous, they did qualify for the the Asian version of the Champions League. So, And it was um, during kind of more of a COVID season, so they were playing a lot of games very quickly and they just didn't have the squad depth to really deal with it. And uh, it did seem like fatigue really took its toll on them, the Gambo Saka side. And we've seen that with uh, Angus, Yokohama, F. Marino's side. They won the league and then tumbled down the, the, the table the next year as a busy fixture ske- uh, schedule took its toll on a fi- and, uh, probably a smaller squad uh, than you would have had pre- um, previously. But no, I'm I'm fairly confident Idaguchi can come in to a six. I don't think he's coming in to be a starter. I think that's okay. something a lot of people will need to get around and, uh, their heads. I think a lot of people have had him coming in playing the eight role. I, I wouldn't have him there. He's, he's more set at the base in the midfield, recycle possession, uh, play more vertical, longer passing. Um, I can see him being used in Europe quite frequently. Um, McGregor's often, especially against higher level opponents in the defensive capacity, has been caught out quite a few times. I think Bayer Leverkusen away, his positioning could just be off slightly, just because it's not his, it's not his natural game. I'd still very much expect uh, Callum McGregor to be starting at the base of that mid- that midfield uh, with um, what what it's going to be Rogic and Hitati in front of him. But no, there, there, there's a lot a lot of interest. Idigichi's a really cheap signing. He's probably not coming in the highest wage. He's got a point to prove. Um, I'm quite excited to see how he gets on the most because he's the one that's probably the most uh, get, uh, guesswork how he's going to perform in this side. It probably does spell the end for players like uh, Sorrow and McCarthy. I don't know because that puts McCarthy uh, behind McGregor, Beaton and Adeguchi, so a fourth-choice player for um, one position. And I don't think Ange is going to go to that double pivot anytime soon or use it very frequently. So it, it could be a case of get to the summer and start freeing up some wages in that position uh, and use the resources elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. And at this stage of the season, the way the team are playing, it's not really about bringing in players that are starters. It's just mm-hmm. kind of bringing in better replacements. And if Adeguchi is a step up, on the likes of Sorrow and Ange trusts him to come in and do that job mm-hmm. where he can just actually have substitutes that he trusts to put on the pitch. That's a massive bonus for the rest of the season. Uh, Ryo Hatate is the third Japanese player coming in. He's coming from Kawasaki and he's been described as a utility player. And the reason he's described as that is because if you take a look at this guy's career, he's played left back, he's played center mid, he's played attacking mid, he's even played up front at times. So this is a, a jack of all trades kind of player. Uh, see, I, I always found it quite harsh just because he got forced into the kind of left-back position just due to, like, I think they got two injuries to whoever their left-backs were and he was the best technical footballer they probably had that could fill in. But uh, the season before, he played as a forward the season before and he was one of the best forwards in the league and then he goes to left-back and then he came more, much more into the central role in the, the second half of the season. The, the guy ranks near the top for, when, when he was at left-back, he ranks just about top for every single passing metric. Uh, when he goes into midfield, he breaks the line, he gets a lot of creativity, a lot of goal threat. So much, a, a ridiculous amount of mobility as well. Um, I've got it here, seven success, over seven successful defensive actions per 90. Again, Ryan Christie's numbers. I think I described him as what, um, Christie 
Uh, and Juranovic kind of combined when you kind of look at their left back and central data. He does a lot of running. He's very good in the ball. He's technical. He can dribble. He can beat the man. Um, he's excited. I'm most excited about it. I think he does the most on the pitch. And he's the player we really needed the most. We really needed someone else in there instead of Turnbull and Rogic, uh, especially after losing Turnbull for a few months. Uh, he's the one that's going to come right in and he'll be starting. I'd be very surprised if he isn't starting against Hibs uh, in, that, in that central three. Uh, uh, come the 17th as well. He's a very talented player. Um, not been announced. Uh, oh, we've not seen him at Celtic uh, at Lennox Town yet, but uh, hopefully he gets enough uh, days in his legs. And obviously all these players from the J-League are coming in match fit. Like Their, their season has only finished last month. It's not like they need a full pre-season to get fit again. They'll be coming in uh, and up to speed very quickly, um, which is a big bonus as well. It just means you have to manage their minutes till the summer because that'll be a full season and a half of straight football they've been playing. playing. But they've had um, two or three weeks off now and they should be able to get right back into it. Uh, but no, mm-hmm. Hatati is going to be a ridiculous talent in Scotland. I think he is very suited to ball. He can break lines, he can create, he can score, he gets into the box. And if needed, he can play left-back, which is what some people seem to want. But uh, I'd rather, much sure have my left-back be left-footed. I think we've seen the, the benefits of having Taylor in there over Juranovic and being able to push him much further up the pitch. Uh, yeah. When you profile um, Hitate and Juranovic, when they're left-back, their heat maps are basically identical. They get to about five yards before the 18-yard box, then they won't touch the ball uh, any further because they can't go onto their bad foot. Um, okay. No, he's a very, very talented player, very technical. Um, can pass with both feet. Seems fairly comfortable with both feet. Um, no, yeah, very much, very much looking forward to seeing him. Yeah, I think the biggest issue with Celtic's midfield at the minute is that you've got two number eights who are essentially the same player in yeah. Tom Rogic and David Turnbull. Not very dynamic, very good on the ball, very creative, but when it comes to running, they just they just can't get up the the yards. Is is Hatate someone that's going to come in and have by what you're describing? With Juranovic, he's a very tactical player, but does he have the dynamism to match it as well? Yeah, I, I think we're going to see a player. Um, probably a bit more technically gifted than Ryan Christie, but similar in style. Very, especially when he played in the eight, a lot of running, a lot of defensive work. But I think Ryan Christie, a lot of his game was often let down by maybe a lot of people point to his finishing, but I also I sometimes thought his maybe short passing or the basics in his game were always a little bit rough around the edges. Hatati, very technically gifted player. I think he's going to link play very well, especially if the forwards look to break those lines at, at the back. He can take on players and see what, what he's going to do when he gets in the ball. He's going to be able to drive forward with pace. Now, Rodjick will con- complete a lot of dribbles per game, beating the man, but see if he's trying to break away. He can't really break away from anyone with his pace. Hatati's going to be able to take that ball on the counter-attack and be able to actually break away from um, the retreating defence. So that's going to create a lot more space when we... Um, Get these transitions and get for, and get the ball forward much quicker, which is really what Andrew's looking for. He wants to get that ball forward as fast as possible and get uh, players in the in the box generating space uh, for those players that are coming forward with the ball. So I think it's going to be a really good match, especially if players like Kyogo. I think Atati and Kyogo will link up very well coming in. And just to finish up then, another signing coming in, it's not been confirmed yet, but it will be in the next 24 hours or so. And that's uh, Johnny Kenny coming in from Sligo Rovers in, in the League of Ireland. I'll give you my broad specs on him because I've seen him play. And then you can tell me um, what, what the underlying data says about him. So he's he's been signed 150000 That was his release clause with Sligo Rovers. It's a good bit of business. Again, young, cheap talent coming in. He's 18 years old. He's a very raw talent from what I've seen. He's really, really good um, 
good at getting behind the fence and calm enough when he when he gets into the box. But as a, as a normal eighteen year old is, he is he is quite raw and there is space to develop. From what you're seeing in his underlying data, do you think he's going to come into the Celtic B team and then eventually take a step up, or do you think this is just a little bit of business from Celtic stopping Hibs from getting him, and then maybe they can get a little bit of profit when they sell him on? Well, this is thing. He actually he shows up fairly well in the data. It's, it's, obviously, it's League of Ireland, so it's a step down. But he's also only eighteen. He's playing against adults every week. He is. I think he's actually quite an accomplished finisher. Like I think the way he strikes the ball, he looks. He hits the ball really, really hard. You can always tell when a striker hits the ball a lot harder than others. He has 0.55 XG per 90, which is obviously League of Ireland is a step down. But if you put a player like Kenny in the B team against fourth tier players, he should be able to probably do better than that. League of Ireland is probably a better standard than the, the Lone League, I, I, I would imagine. I, well, I'm guessing there, but I, I, would, I would imagine it is since it's the whole of Ireland. Um, and he's getting, he has a lot, regardless of his age, he's got a lot of shots per 90. He's got 3.25 shots per 90. Like the most in Scotland, in the Scottish League is 3.77. So he's only a little bit off that. So no matter what, he's got good movement. He gets about the pitch a lot. He gets himself into good positions. It's pretty clear the boy's got a brain on him to actually get away from defenders to get shots away. And he's pretty accomplished with both feet from what I've seen so far. Um, maybe things to work. He doesn't get in the ball as much, but I guess um, League of Ireland, a bit more route one football. Sligo Rovers only generally get about half 50% possession per game, so they're not exactly um, wholly dominating games. Um, but no, I was actually fairly impressed. Four, four point, uh, over four touches in the box per game as well, which is really high. Um, if you compare it to like um, the highest in our league, it's only 5.5. So he's definitely a big threat. He gets a lot of shots away. He's in the box a lot. And he's um, and because he's a good finisher, when he's in the box, he's likely going to score. So I'm going to imagine he's going to go into the B team and they're probably going to start noticing he's probably too good for that level. Uh, I suspect, yeah. I suspect in the summer he'll be maybe loaned out to a well a Premiership team or a um, yeah a Premiership team maybe your likes of Midlands Livingstons. He's quite a he actually looked quite a big kind of physical prospect as well. He looked a bit bigger uh, than the usual forwards Andrew's been bringing in. Um, but I think I think there is kind of there's definitely raw talent there to be developed. And if Celtic and Andrew looked at him and went, we can develop him into a better player. Um, then you got to trust the the manager's opinion on that. Yeah, I I would imagine he's going to go out and loan sooner than the summer. I think it would be it would be a, a hindrance to his talent to keep in the B team. He'd be he would be better off developing in the League of Ireland if that was the case. And uh, but I, I I would say the idea is to loan him out to to some some team and get him first team football for the time being, see how he develops. But he is an exciting prospect for sure, one of the League of Ireland's uh, best young talents. So. Let's see uh, how he gets on at Celtic when he eventually comes in. Before we finish up, any other positions you think Celtic need to strengthen up in before the uh, January transfer window closes? Uh, yeah, I think you kind of need another eight, well, an eight slash ten in there. I put out a thread on Hans Wolf um, from uh, Mitch and Gladbach. Um, uh, you can get his um, data on FB Ref because it's a top five league, so you can have a look at his pressing data. And then the attacking middle and defensive thirties and the eightieth percentile are above in all three of them. Very mobile player, um, maybe not as good technically on the ball for the Bundesliga, but against the Bundesliga, so you don't need to be. <laughs> if you're dropping down to Scotland, your technical ability is going to start to level off. Um, huge out- output on goals and assists um, when he was at Salzburg for three straight seasons when he was a teenager. Uh, got unlucky when he went to Germany, leg break. But I think he's the kind of player that Ange should be looking to bring in, even if it is just loan with an option to buy. Um, he's played at a top level. He's played at teams similar to Celtic, where they're dominant in the league, dominant in possession. He's very mobile. He's a big presser. 
and he's I think uh, he's also left-footed as well, so a bit a bit more of a rarer kind of uh, attacking midfielder. Um, so if you want to have Hatate uh, and Wolf as kind of your more mobile attacking midfielders, and then Rodgers and Turnbull as your more technical ones, I think that'd be a good four to actually be um, going on with. And getting him in now while he's available, and the manager said he's surplus to requirements. He's never going to drop lower in value than he is right now. He's only 22. If you can get a player of that quality in, you should be really looking to do it when you can. Yeah. Well, we shall wait and see. Talks ongoing between the club and Jota and Cameron, Cameron Carter-Vickers as well. So exciting times to be supporting Celtic. Ross Goodwin, uh, Boys Analytics, if they want to follow you, it's uh, Boys Analytics on Twitter. And yep. uh, they can get you on the Celtic way as well, right? Yeah. All right. Good yeah. stuff. Thanks, Ross. No worries. Thanks for having me on, Ender.